Welcome to Women in Venture Capital, a podcast by students for students. I'm Rashvina. And I'm Anvita. And we are from the Harvard Business School. Our guest today is Sia Raj Purohit. Sia is the co-founder and general partner at Pathway Ventures, an early stage fund investing in the human side of the future of work. Prior to that, she was the head of strategic initiatives at Springboard, a fast-growing education technology startup and an investor at GSV Ventures. Sia is the author of Engineering America, a book on the country's skills gap that she published during college. She's an alum of the University of Texas at Austin and Harvard University. Welcome to our show, Sia. We are really happy to have you on. Thanks so much for having me. Awesome. So jumping right in, I'd love to open it with uh, one of your articles that Kate from our team read and and was really uh, impressed uh, from. The article mentioned uh, says an open letter to freshmen, choose well, not all college majors are created equal. In this article, you put emphasis on choosing an engineering major to ensure a better future. How has choosing engineering major benefited you in the short and long run? That's a great question. So first I'll talk about what led to that article in 2012. I joined college in 2012 and enrolled in this competitive um, electrical and computer engineering program. The tech scene was very different at that time. The whole learn to code movement and the focus on STEM careers wasn't as mainstream as it is now. And my parents are both engineers, so I thought it would be just an interesting field to study. Um, But engineering school honestly hurt. Um, In my freshman year, I realized that so many of my classmates were dropping out of the program because it wasn't really accessible. If you didn't have prior engineering experience from like high school, the one-size-fits-all model of engineering school made it just really difficult to succeed. Our program's GPA was the lowest across like other UT programs. And as an 18-year-old, it's kind of hard to rationalize working like crazy hours every day to get programming labs to work while your other friends and other majors have the opportunity to experience like all the fun parts of college beyond academics. So since tech careers in this conversation wasn't very mainstream, um, I wanted to figure out a way to understand why so much study engineering. So why were we like basically putting ourselves through this was the question I wanted to get answered. And so to understand this better um, for both myself and my friends, I cold emailed some really famous people asking why so much study engineering. These people were like leaders in their industries. So like a Nobel laureate, a Supreme Court attorney, a Fed chief economist. And these people surprisingly invited me to have coffee with them to talk about this. So they told me incredible stories about how powerful engineering is as a field from an economic perspective, from a financial perspective, and most importantly, like how creative those careers are if you pursue engineering as an undergrad and how much creative freedom you have to build your own path. So uh, they talked about how like engineering wasn't being taught in a way that was accessible to everyone, how this theoretical cookie cutter manner was distracting people from pursuing it. And then the impact that was gonna have on America's economy from not graduating enough talented engineers. So I started writing down like takeaways from these conversations I was having to share with my friends and wrapped it around with stories of engineering school, like the pressure of the exams, um, um, like the very low grades everyone in the class was getting, like the weeks that we didn't sleep at all. And um, all of them became this book that I published um, in my second year of college. And so this article came out of that thought process too, just trying to share like the learnings I gained and why I thought that engineering education wasn't the best path for someone who's like looking to move up um, in a socioeconomic ladder and also just pursue the most fulfilling career. 
that really sounds interesting and uh, being an engineer myself i wouldn't say that there weren't days when we would question that what is engineering really teaching us so uh, you know kudos on you taking this initiative and i have to ask uh, do you now have the answer that hey you did engineering for the right reasons and you're trying to make the best out of it yeah so i think um, there are two parts to this one is the skills um i learned in engineering and then the other is kind of what i've built my career around um to try to fix how engineering is taught so what i learned in engineering i think um kind of helped um establish um like the kinds of roles i took on after so when i was very early career my technical background helped me gain respect from engineers who worked in the companies i was at So Silicon Valley is run by engineering talent and in order to be like a good product or business person I think it's really important to be able to kind of communicate across the stack um getting as technical as needed um and I think that's what um engineering education contributed to That's really interesting to hear um you've also been involved in launching a couple of tech degrees uh, and courses online um and how curious to know how did you get involved with it and i i believe you were working with udacity at that point in it so curious to know how that got started um and to start with what made you interested in this area and what do you hope that these courses will really accomplish yeah so i guess coming back to the early 2010s i guess 2012 was when the book came out and i began speaking about the importance of stem education and how we need to fix colleges and like help them teach technical skills more effectively um that was the same year that udacity and coursera launched so it became what new york times called the year of the moocs and i truly like again as a college sophomore at that time began believing that technology could fix the education sector and all of the problems that came with that So in school I worked on education products at Intel and Apple and then when I was graduating I wanted to figure out which of these startups would be the right fit. Um Udacity at that time was a series A company so a team of about 40 people working out of like one floor in Mountain View very small and lesser known um than it is now because now I guess they're a series D company in an education powerhouse. But I really liked the team. Um so applied online um for a position um a new grad position. And what's actually funny is that after interviewing with many people on the team, they actually turned me down for the role. I felt I had this like very passionate story about how Udacity was the next job, like or next fit in my life. Um, but it wasn't a fit for that role. So I was obviously bummed. But I wrote a letter back um, asking if they can kind of create a role for me. I'm like, uh, we're on the same kind of path to try to fix this. Could we figure something out? And that actually worked. Uh, so very grateful that Udacity took a shot, uh, created a position for me. And while at Udacity, I PM'd two of their early programs in partnership with Georgia Tech and Google. And honestly, it was incredible. So we thought we were building like the Hollywood of education at that time, um, building like high quality instruction delivered online in a way that everyone can like learn and move on at their own pace, and like complete projects with industry. And and for some of our programs, graduate with a degree. So the Georgia Tech program like the one um your question mentioned was kind of a game changer for masters programs at that time um because Georgia Tech provided the same degree to 10,000 students who were taking it online as the ones that they were granting on campus and this was really cool because people didn't have to like take a break from their jobs or their lives to move to Atlanta for 2 years um so we realized that the demographic of students was older so it was typically like mid 30s versus the 20s um on average that students attend um on campus school for and what was really cool is that many of the students outperformed the on campus students on the exams because the rigor was the same across the two programs 
So um, after that, I worked on a Google degree and um, at Springboard also we launched a bunch of things, but I guess that one is the most special in my memory. Um, my grandpa went back to pursue his MBA in his 50s. So it just filled me with so much happiness to be able to kind of provide those career transitions um, to people and, like, and make them more accessible. That is really, really inspiring to hear, uh, Sia, and, and some persistence that, that drove you to continue pushing them and saying that, hey, I can be of value and creating a way for yourself. So great work there. Uh, follow up on that. What part of technical background has proven most useful in the business world for you or for your colleagues and uh, friends around? So I guess, as I mentioned earlier, it was initially about kind of getting respect, fitting into Silicon Valley's like build and hacker culture. And then I think over time, um, especially now that I'm more on like the business side and more on investments, um, the technical background lets me kind of imagine new solutions. So getting deep into like what product features, kind of user experience, thinking about like what kinds of solutions um, can come up to solve the problems we all face in these sectors. And also like even get uh, very specific, like thinking about the structure of data pipelines. Like these are things I don't think I could have thought through if I wouldn't have gone through like the technical education and had the basis to have these kind of technical conversations with founders. Yeah, that makes that makes complete sense. Um, switching gears a little bit, uh, would love to talk more about Pathway Ventures, your new exciting uh, venture that that's up and coming now. Um, you mentioned that it stated it states a mission that uh, you want to invest in the human side of future of work, and you want to do that through innovative new models of learning, uh, earning, and community building. Uh, this seems well aligned with your work at Udacity. What drew your attention to the skill gap? Uh, widening as employers increase automation. Are there any companies you've seen so far that seem promising to you in this objective? Yeah, so my, uh, I guess um, a little bit of background about Pathway and how we got started. Um, my co-founder, Taylor Stockton, and I were introduced through an HBS professor, John Kim, about three years ago and started building Pathway last fall, so during the pandemic. Um, we were both um, kind of obsessed with how people learn skills and like had built our own careers in that sector. And then we recognized that COVID displaced 50 million plus people from the workforce and that we needed to help kind of create a solution and build an ecosystem to help create like new um, um, startups in this category. So that's why we started working on Pathway last fall. Um, for promising companies, um, there's so much um, cool stuff happening, both in the learning and the earning sides um, of the future of work. Um, there's, of course, in the learning side, like a new wave, which we're calling, I think, the fourth wave of EdTech solutions that provides like live cohort-based courses, apprenticeship programs, and more seamlessly like brings together industry in the classroom. So this is like, uh, you can learn the skills you need for your job um, in like small doses throughout your career. You can make transitions happen in your career that way. Like those are the kinds of things that we're focused on. Um, just when we think about like learning expanding over like decades of people's careers now. Um, so a company I'm impressed by in that space is called Section 4. Um, it brings business school education from influential professors and sometimes controversial professors, I guess, like NYU's professor Scott Galloway online. Um, and I think it has huge potential to replace like executive education, which is hurting from COVID. Um, you might have seen reports about how revenue basically went to zero during 2020 for exec ed. And that has implications both for colleges, but also for people who are, who are no longer getting skilled in the middle um, age group, middle career group. 
Um, and then also we're seeing a bunch of cool stuff in the creator economy about how people will monetize different skills and aspects in the future. I recently met with a deep fake startup that enables influencers to license out their face for new content, which can totally change how ads and videos are created and kind of just open up the ecosystem for people who can participate in um, that kind of content. So at Pathway, we're basically, our first two investments um, are in the audio tech space. So thinking about how audio can redefine workplace communication. And then a startup is testing out new modalities of learning for the future of work and kind of how we can teach people cool skills in the future. All of this sounds super exciting, Sia. And, and the premise of uh, us betting on these ventures is built on how uh, we will see new models of, like you said, earning, learning, and community building, and just realigning this entire skills gap that's evident. And for good or for bad, because of COVID, has uh, gotten enough and more um, coverage in some sense, where employers are trying to um, put some effort towards upskilling for their employees and ensuring that they're able to um, add value and spend time on the softer aspects of, uh, you know, just employee upliftment in general. So I think the right time, uh, if not anything, to do this for sure. Um, and there's only, you know, uptick that's going to happen in terms of uh, just upskilling and, and skill gap, uh, bring, bring, putting together the skill gap. So um, I'm sure there are some great days for Pathway and some amazing deals that 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 will come to you guys. So um, good luck on that. Um, the last ones here for you uh, that we would love to understand is that you've worked in both tech and business worlds. Um, we want to address the the you know the theme head on and and understand from you that are there any differences that you've noticed regarding the role of gender, uh, or in general having diverse uh, teams in the workplaces? And do you think that teams can do something uh, on their own as individuals and as teams together um, to ensure that they are able to do their part in bringing, um, giving the right uh, voice and giving the right decision making to people with diversity and ensuring that they are able to make the most of it. Yeah, so, I mean, definitely. Um, as many girls who attended engineering school, I felt the awkwardness of being like one of three girls in a, a like room with 70 other people. Um, but I'm really optimistic about the progress we're making as a whole. Um, from initiatives like, like Girls Who Code that are fixing the pipeline issue and thankfully convinced my now college-age sister to pursue engineering also, through like the shifting culture in the workplace um, to become more inclusive, I think that a lot of cool stuff is happening. Um, regarding the second part of your question, one of my favorite memories about this is from Irasti. Um, one of the VPs I really admired was a woman in her late 20s. And she told me about how she once entered a high stakes meeting with all men. And Sebastian Thurn, Irasti's CEO at the time, um, said, don't let her age fool you. She's one tough cookie when introducing her. And she said that that helped boost both her confidence um, at that moment and also position her more strongly in this meeting. So over the years, um, I've seen that like so many times from like um, other allies, like getting support from both men and women through these kind of casual messages and kind of helping push past stereotypes in rooms that aren't structured in an ideal way by supporting each other is so important. So I hope we kind of keep doing that and keep like, I guess, almost hyping each other up as we try to also change what the dynamics of these rooms look like in the future. Can't agree more there. So, yeah, I think uh, well put. And yeah, I mean, it, it has to start with you and us and me and everybody thinking about it actively, talking about it probably. And like you said, it's not just uh, on the diverse audience, but also the people who 
our managing teams in general who are right now probably majority uh, in select places and select uh, uh, teams i think it's on them to to ensure that they bring bring everybody together and and uh, you know take it forward from there so uh, this has been a brilliant conversation sia we will uh, segment to our our next uh, a rapid fire round that we do typically with our guests uh, as we bring bring our conversation to a closing um so i'm going to kick it off we'll have a small round uh, we'll have about 3 to 4 questions and like like it says it's a rapid fire round so try and um kind of answer thing answer the question with with uh, as little time that you can give and, and just just answer the first thing that comes to your mind so we'll start simple sia the first one for you is uh, are you a cat or a dog person oh definitely a dog person small puppy especially <laughs> <laughs> awesome i'm with you there um which was the last book that you read or one of the last podcasts that you heard that you were really inspired by um the last book i read was a promised land by barack obama um really liked um the narrative especially like when he was talking about his pre president days like um when he was campaigning and especially when he was like a little like lesser known person and how he overcame a lot of the, his own insecurities before speaking at the dnc in 2004 and those kind of things it just um was very human and so i loved that book This has been a great chat. See how we're all loved your um, candid anecdotes that you shared, and uh, you know, really excited about Pathway Ventures. Good luck to you there. The journey is going to be amazing. Um, and thanks so much for coming on the show. I'm sure our listeners will really appreciate all your uh, thoughts. Thanks so much.